Welcome back to Second Look. In this episode, Josh Preston interviews senior pastor George Robertson about the sermon series, This Is My Father's World, Ethics for Daily Living from the Minor Prophets. Although these 12 small books of the Bible contain only 67 chapters in total, in terms of their theological significance and relevance to our lives today, there is nothing minor about them. Listen in as Pastor George demonstrates for us the value of digging into this portion of God's Word. All right, thanks for joining us today. My name is Josh Preston. I'm here with Pastor George, and we are coming to the end of our series through the book of Revelation, which will conclude on Easter Sunday. And right after that, we're jumping into a new portion of Scripture. We're going to go back to the Old Testament And George, you're going to be preaching through the Minor Prophets. Um, I think I can speak for probably most people, myself included, when I say that uh, the Minor Prophets are one of the most unfamiliar parts of Scripture uh, to most people. So maybe we could just start, George, if you could give us, maybe just orient us to the Minor Prophets. Where do they fall in the greater story of Scripture? Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid, one, a pastor came and he was going to preach from one of the minor prophets, and he said, "Everybody, turn to the clean part of your Bible." <laughs> you know, it's the part that we don't put a lot of thumb marks on because we don't spend a lot of time reading it, <clears throat> and uh, because it's it it is kind of hard to interpret. Uh, these are it's a, it's, um, it's a lot of theology, a lot of a lot of uh, heavy-hitting topics pressed into smaller books, so it takes a little extra plowing to understand what the books themselves are saying. also requires cross-referencing to what's happening uh, historically at the time. So, yeah, it's a great question to ask, where does it fit in the Bible? First of all, physically or, or canonically, these 12 books have been put together historically in the Hebrew Bible from as far back as uh, for a very long time. And they uh, usually follow the book of Ezekiel in the Hebrew Bible and known as the 12. And meaning uh, the 12, and, and they were grouped together because they're all about the same size. They're all small. They're, they're not. We, we refer to them as the minor prophets, not because they don't mean very much. They're not, it's not that they're not significant. It's just they're a lot smaller than the big prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, so forth. So these 12, these 12 books uh, all together have 67 chapters. Uh, Isaiah has 66 chapters itself. Hmm. So 12 smaller prophets, and they range... From the ninth century BC, that's the 800s, 800 years before Christ, to uh, roughly the fifth century BC, 400 years before Christ. Those 400 silent years we talk about between the time the last prophet spoke and um, John the Baptist comes on the scene. And here are some of the major events that that uh, or to put it put it into the Bible story. Um, the you know there was the king you know King David who uh, 
ruled over a united political kingdom, handed it uh, down to Solomon, and the and and Solomon because of his um, adultery or his uh, his polygamy with foreign wives, uh, God said the kingdom's going to split under you. The, the, the United Kingdom of Israel is going to be torn asunder because you have disobeyed me and taken in these foreign wives. And these foreign wives bring with them their gods. And those gods are going to, the, 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 those mothers of children from you are going to teach their children to worship idols. And, and, and idolatry is really contagious. And the Israelites were always prone to it. Hmm. Uh, it always made more sense to, to worship idols of wood and stone to them to hang on to material objects than to, 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 to worship a God that you can't see mm-hmm. and doesn't speak out loud. It's no different for us. We'd rather trust in our, the things we can hold and objectify than, than a God. So he says, look, if you bring in these foreign wives, they're going to bring foreign gods, they're going to teach children uh, to worship. Uh, their, their hearts are going to, to stray from me. And I'm going to have to humble the nation to bring them back. So the minor prophets start, Hosea and uh, Joel, uh, start about the time the, the nation is splitting. Ten tribes to the north form Israel two tribes to the south for Judah. And you have this kind of ping-ponging in the minor prophets between uh, here is a prophet sent to Israel, here's a prophet sent to Judah, here's a prophet to Israel, here's a prophet to Judah. And generically, they're addressing the same thing, wayward hearts, hearts that are materialistic, that are certain, that are clinging to idols as opposed to the one true God who said, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to save you through a coming Messiah, just like I promised to Abraham. So that's the Hosea and Joel uh, start the, 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 uh, the minor prophets. Those are the first two in the, in, the, in the list, the order that we have them. And then... And then they cover that history from the division of, of the kingdom and the prophet was Elisha at the time, or one of the prophets that we know better than these, covers that time down to uh, through exile and through the rebuilding of the temple. And, um, and then the last prophet, uh, Malachi, who after the temple's rebuilt and and uh, God's brought Israel back to his land, and they forget him again. Hmm. So um, what, we'll, what we're going to do, uh, I think I'm going to do it this way, is we're going to study the, the minor prophets not in the order that they appear in our Bibles. There are various reasons for why they are grouped the way they are, but they're not grouped chronologically. So we're going to study them chronologically you want to try to follow that follow that course of uh, of the unfolding of 
God's history of redemption with his people from the ninth century to the fifth century, right up until the coming of Jesus, 400 years before Jesus comes. Right. Great. That's very helpful just to understand that and a good refresher for me too. Um, I think if you walk around the halls of second and talk to anybody that's been coming and listening to you preach on Revelation, probably most people if you ask them what Revelation was about, they could say at least one thing, and that is Jesus wins. Mm -hmm. done a good job of helping us understand the big picture. Um, even as we delve into all the details, uh, the title we have for this coming series is This is My Father's World, Ethics for Daily Living from the Minor Prophets. Uh, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that title and maybe give us an idea of the overall message of the Minor Prophets. Yeah, I thought about calling it uh, God is a Busybody. <laughs> that, uh, <clears throat> if, if, if Jesus wins, has stuck so well. Uh, uh, maybe God is a Busybody. But that, that would convey the wrong thing. But what I'm trying to convey is that it still is. The, me the message is, the message of the whole Bible is Jesus wins. Mm -hmm. And uh, God is, is winning over in these minor prophets, what we'll see is God is winning over uh, not only the the kingdoms of evil that are trying to destroy the people of Israel. He's also winning over the sins of Israel when they're trying to destroy themselves. Hmm. So when God makes that promise in in Genesis three. After Adam and Eve have sinned, and he and he promises, he shows them what's going to happen as a result of their sin. And he says, "I'm going to, um, uh, through the seed of the woman, I'm going to crush the head of the serpent's going to is going to strike at the heel of the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman is going to crush his head." And of course, that's the we call it the proto evangelium, the the first gospel that that the devil is going to try his best to wipe out the seed, the human seed through which the Messiah will come. But I'm going to bring, I'm going to preserve that seed. I'm going to bring a Jesus to birth. I'm going to bring him into this world. And then through his work, he's going to crush Satan's head. So we're right in the in the middle of that in redemptive history in these minor prophets where Assyria and Babylon and Edom is trying to 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 destroy Israel and God preserves them. But we also see Israel and Judah trying to destroy themselves because they're they're constantly running after other gods or they're they're materialistic, or they turn their back on the Lord. They're ungrateful. They're prejudiced. They're judgmental. They're, they're, they, they, they eat up each other. But time after time, we'll see in each of these minor prophets, God doggedly pursues his people and restores them. And he is determined to bring his Savior into the world regardless of the evil intentions of, of other kingdoms and uh, of the people themselves. You know, one, one person has, has um, 
There are various theories for why the minor prophets are arranged as they are. Uh, they're not arranged chronologically. So if they're not arranged chronologically, why are they arranged the way they are? I, I love the theory of one scholar uh, named Paul House who says they're arranged according to uh, God's people's sin, the punishment that comes as a result of their sin, and his restoration. So the first six books um, of, the, of the Minor Prophets, they're, they're all descriptive of Israel's sin. Hosea, you know, they're running after other gods like Gomer uh, ran back to her prostitution. And then the then three books are about the punishment that that God's people really bring on themselves. What we bring on ourselves, God doesn't have to send judgment so much as we invite it by our rebellion. And then the last three um, of of restoration. And you have Malachi, the whole Old Testament, ending with. The words of Malachi, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, we could say uh, this is Jesus wins part two. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like, uh, as is all of Scripture, but it sounds like the minor prophets are just a microcosm as the, of the story of Scripture as a whole. Amen. That's right. So uh, maybe speak a little bit. George, um, these are men who were speaking to the nation of Israel many, many years ago uh, to circumstances different than our own in 2020, and they did so mostly poetically. How in the world can these words be relevant for believers today? Well, let me. it, it might be helpful just – I'm going to give a thumbnail sketch, just a one-liner for what each book – addresses. Okay. I think that would be a helpful way to do it. To begin with Hosea. Uh, Hosea, uh, in a word we could say, is God's love for backsliders. Joel, uh, the judge, Christ the judge, is coming. Of course, Joel is quoted in Acts 2. It's the fulfillment there. Amos, one word, justice. Mm-hmm. That God is the preserver of justice. And Amos, you know, Amos is one of the nosiest books in the Bible. I mean, <laughs> Amos, and Amos is not a, a really a, a professional preacher. He's a farmer, uh, and he's, he's uh, applying God's word to the ethics of his day in, um, in business and warfare and, um, and, and wages and so forth. So, Amos, Justice. Obadiah is a one-page book. Uh, the longest books are 14 chapters, but Obadiah really uh, occupies only one page. And uh, we could say it's uh, God gets the bad guys. God brings down the proud. Jonah is uh, uh, God's, God's grace for the prejudiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah is a story of hope. Nahum is a prophet of the overthrow of of the oppressors of God's people. Habakkuk uh, 
you could say a couple of things for Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk is how to talk to God when you're angry uh, with him and or a hope in suffering. Zephaniah, uh, God always preserves a remnant. Haggai, uh, lean into the opposition. Build God's kingdom no matter who opposes you. Zechariah, the future glory of Christ. And Malachi, God's love for an ungrateful people. There's going to be plenty, I think, that will be applicable to, <laughs> to us today. Well, those are very helpful, and I hope you'll refresh those each time we revisit these books throughout the series. Um, let's move a little bit more personally here. As you've studied the minor prophets in your own personal study and just in your preparation to preach them, uh, how they help shape your understanding of, of Scripture, of God, your walk with God. You can take any one of those or all three if you want. Yeah, I think the first way I was attracted to the Minor Prophets was through Jonah. It was in college, and um, the Prophets uh, was a required course. The course began with Isaiah and Jeremiah and the ones is vaguely familiar with, and then the course wound down by the by the professor taking us chronologically through the minor prophets and and entering entering college i'd become a christian in middle school high and uh and then in high school i was really discipled early on by a really lovely group of christians but they were they they were Legalists. There's no other way to say it. They, they believed in that uh, sanctification was the Christian life was about do's and don'ts, hmm. more don'ts than do's. And I just formed this. I formed this perspective of God. I can't leave it all on them. I, I, I was reading my Bible too, but I formed this perspective of God that, that he he kept score, and that uh, as long as I kept doing these good things, and I stayed away from those bad things, then God loved me, and God uh, was pleased with me, and he could use me, and I was, I just, I, there was a lot of spiritual pride. I felt like I was really a key player for God, <laughs> and I went to, I went to um, Christian college, went to Covenant College, which uh, had a a very strong view of the of the doctrines of grace, and that um, that God sovereignly loves us, and He, if He didn't, we we'd we'd be in real bad shape because He has to keep pursuing us, and and a very strong view of the cross and the cross work of Christ and His substitutionary atonement, and so. A lot of that was kind of like water off a duck's back for me in my first couple of years of college because I, I thought I knew everything. I was a Bible major. I was, become, I was going to become a missionary or, or a pastor. But also at that time in college, I started discovering just how sinful I really was. I did some things that I just never thought I could do, and I... I failed God in ways I never thought I could. And then, I, then there was this, all this stuff in my heart that was coming out to me that, that nobody else really knew about. And there were a few days when I thought I, I wasn't a Christian. 
at all. And I uh, went through some tough things uh, in my health, and and uh, Jackie and I started dating, and and uh, she went through some really we went through some really tough things with her family and real tragedies. And so one day I I I, uh, I went to class, and the, and the class was the it was the last lecture on Jonah. And early in the in the, in the semester, when we first started prophets class, the professor said, "I want you to memorize Exodus thirty four verses six and seven." And uh, I'm, you just need to do that. That's a requirement. By the end of the class, you'll understand why this is so important. But right now, you just need to memorize it. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger abounding in loving kindness and mercy, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, keeps loving kindness for thousands, but punishes iniquity to two and three generations. And <clears throat> I um, memorized that verse at the time. I probably uh, misquoted it as I'm trying to recall it here. But... but um, at times, throughout our study of the prophets, he would, he would say, "Do you, you remember that verse? The the prophet is alluding back to that." He finally came down uh, in his lectures on Jonah. He came down to chapter four, and you know, here's Jonah sitting out on the the um, outside the city, and Jonah is really, really disappointed that God did not destroy the city of Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Because they, these are the Assyrians that had done so much damage to Israel and and Judah, and 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 Jonah was was really hopeful that this message that he'd been given forty days in Nineveh will be destroyed. That he was going to he was going to be able to see it, and God really disappointed him by saving everybody. And he gets out outside the city and he says, he's pouting, he's cursing, he's angry. And then he says to God, is this not what I said to you uh, while I was still um, in Joppa? That I knew. You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in loving God. This is the God I knew you to be. And I knew as soon as I came to this place, because this is the way you are, you're merciful and forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. I knew if I brought your word to these people, you would save them. That's why I'm angry. Of course, Jonah's writing the book. He's talking, he's talking about how God's grace had conquered him too. Hmm. And it was, it was a revival for me that the God of the Old Testament, I mean, I thought God was legalistic all the way through, but I thought he got a little nicer in the New Testament. But here's the God of the Old Testament who is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. And the prophets knew it, and they knew it so deeply and so profoundly that Jonah thought his last best effort to stop God from being merciful to Ninevites was to kill himself. And he couldn't even do that. 
God sent a fish, <laughs> not to punish Jonah, but to save Jonah and get him to Nineveh to preach that they could be saved and so he could also save Jonah. So it set me on a pilgrimage to look at the rest of the minor prophets as well as the, the Old Testament as a whole that this is the consistent story of the Bible that God will be our God. He will make us his people regardless of how hard we try to be otherwise his, not his people. And he has, he has done that um, now clearly through Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful image, and thank you for sharing that personal story. I'm hopeful that and expectant that much the same work will be done in the hearts of our mm. people as we walk through this series. Uh, last question for you, George, is just as we look forward, what is it that you hope our people will take away primarily from our study of the Minor Prophets? The main, the main thing I hope they take away is that... <laughs> That Jesus does win. God wins through Jesus. God brings his Redeemer through history to us. And, um, and he does it not only by saving us in the world, but he does it by saving us from the world and saving us from ourselves. So I, I want them to, I want them to, to embrace that dogged, hard-headed uh, mercy of God that absolutely will not let go of his people and will pursue and pursues us no matter uh, how we prostitute ourselves to the world to draw on Hosea's image. There's some other, some other themes that I want us to get to since it's, this is my father's world. We're going to see we're going to unpack this into uh, uh, lots of ethical uh, issues. There'll be uh, there'll be applications to business. There'll be application to employment. Application to um, fair trade. Application to um, taking care of the creation. Application of how we deal with each other. How we respect those in authority. How we um, uh, deal with the poor, how, uh, how we engage in warfare. I mean, there's just, there are lots and lots of, of um, uh, ethics, uh, ethical issues addressed to the Myron Prophets. So I, I want us to see that God really does care about every aspect of our lives. And he's not just keeping score, uh, saying, do this, don't do that. But he is training us how to live so that we flourish and that others flourish around us. Another theme I hope that, that people will see is, is that uh, just how honest we can be with God. Habakkuk is my, I, I, is my second favorite book. Jonah is my favorite because of what the Lord, how the Lord used it, but I love Habakkuk. And I just taught Habakkuk to... Um, to our youth at a beach trip. And um, I know people looked at me funny when I said we we're going to do Habakkuk at the beach. But um, I think the youth really 
loved it because what I said was, you know, so much of our discontentment, our disappointment has to do with we really are angry with God, and we, we don't know what to do with that anger. And Habakkuk shows us. Habakkuk is, is very, I mean, Jonah, angry with God, chapter 4, curses at God. Habakkuk is very angry, so angry he effectively goes to his room and slams the door. <laughs> And then he writes down what he says to God. And, and the Holy Spirit takes those words and puts it into Scripture. And God hands us a script to say, when you don't know what to say to me, and uh, you're so angry, so disappointed, so disheartened, here's a script, start here. Say this to me. And God's big enough, he can take it. And he is hard-headed enough and persistent enough in his mercy. He... He is able to triumph over those doubts and draw us to himself and do that transformation in a back. Say, it doesn't matter what. There are no sheep, no grapes, no oil. If I, if I run out of everything, I'm still going to go on the heights and praise you. And um, so I, uh, and, and I say, I, I would say another sub theme is that, is, uh, how to live in times of suffering, how to, how to live in times of geopolitical trial and suffering, uh, like we see with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. You know, the, the, they, they find the, they read the, they're reading the minor prophets right now from the inside out. And the more we are persecuted for our faith, the more spiritual warfare we encounter, the more practical we'll see the minor prophets to be hmm. and then to remind us where uh, where we began at the malachi the last minor prophet and the last prophet before john the baptist comes uh, to announce jesus says the son of righteousness s-u-n the son of righteousness but it's also a reference to the son jesus of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That's true for us every day. It's true for us, for our individual lives, and it's true for, it will be true of, um, of the history of redemption. Jesus Christ has risen. We'll celebrate that at Easter. But he is returning and will return and bring total healing uh, in his wings. George, I appreciate you taking the time to give us a little preview. I know I'm very excited. I've got those final verses from the book of Habakkuk hanging on my fridge at home. <laughs> I look at them quite often. Mm. Um, just give our listeners a couple ways that they can be intentionally engaging uh, to get the most out of this study. Uh, you all that are listening have probably become accustomed to seeing that section in the Messenger each week called This Sunday, just a a little way to give you a preview of the passage we'll be looking at and a, a question you be, can be considering as you come expectantly to worship, to hear from the Lord. Uh, we'll also be putting out a, a sermon recap with discussion questions, either for group study or just for personal reflection, and you can find those both online and on the app. Uh, I hope these will be a help to you as you study the Minor Prophets as we walk through them together. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs>